Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One, let's see if this goes. Three, two, one. Boom, and we're live. Fernie, Fernie, you are the most qualified guy in Miami-Dade County to have a baseball conversation with all the way across the board brother do you know that or no do you know that or no listen i've been out of it for 19 years so i don't know it but it's nice to have friends like you that are still in it that keep me around you know when you were growing up okay what high school did you go to here miami went to gables high school we grew up right around kinlock there right by the airport went played a little bit at the core gables youth center you know, uh, I played uh, – actually, my sophomore year at Gables played football, baseball, and basketball. One of the few guys. I didn't have anything to do, so I guess I just tried out for everything and, uh, you know, was lucky enough to have that experience at a great high school like Gables back then. Fernando, your dad's involvement in your sporting world, what was it? Okay, so that'll, that'll lead you to a great uh, – my dad died when I was two. He died two weeks after my second birthday. My mom uh, was a physician here in Miami, a dentist, for 50 years. We actually left Cuba right after my dad died, maybe a year after. And uh, we lived in Spain for a few years. And I came here and we lived in Carroll City. I actually went to Lake Stevens Elementary uh, over in Carroll City. And ironically, my mom moved, I think, six months later. We moved to an apartment across the street from Hialeah. Quarry League, and then we moved to the Flagler 43rd area. I used to walk to elementary school. I used to walk to middle school. And, of course, uh, actually, I tell my kids the story that uh, playing football at Gables High School, I actually used to walk home sometimes uh, from Gables High School. It was quite a walk. So, anyway, but we, we, you know, we grew up in a different era, man. No, that's for sure. Fernie, who was, was there a father figure involved there at all? Or was it just your mom? You know, I I just, my mom was, like I said, a practicing dentist. I have an older brother, Javi, and an older sister who's a local dentist here. Uh, So we grew up in a small house uh, right there in Las Aguaceta on 45th and 5th Street. And uh, we went to Gables High School. My mom moved out, but I tell people and I tell my my kids that my my father figures were always my coaches. You know, they're the ones that instilled the discipline. My mom was working. Uh, I did. My brother and I do have great stories of passing out newspapers and working when we were 10 years old in our bike. We actually had jobs. And uh, then we uh, I I graduated to be a busboy at La Culebrinas on 47th and Flagler. Great learning experience, right? Great learning experience. Yeah. And then when I was 13, I actually, you know, I told you a story. My sophomore year at Gables High School, I actually played football, basketball, and baseball. And on weekends, I worked at the IHOP, which is still there in the National House of Pancakes on 3rd and Lejeune. Wow, dude. Wow. Fernie, when you played the three sports, when did baseball start to, do you start telling us, okay, baseball is what's leading my interest? Well, 
you know, JV year playing basketball, I knew I wasn't a basketball player. I just did it to stay in shape. Sorry. Um, anyway, let me turn my phone off because otherwise work people will start calling. Tranquilo, tranquilo, no worries. Anyway, um, you know, I knew I wasn't a basketball player. I did it. Some people after football, they told me to play basketball, stay in shape. And that's what I did. But then I, my junior year, I started figuring out, number one, I wasn't a starter in basketball. Number two, I wasn't six four, six five. And and number three, I was missing out a lot of reps before the season. And actually, my junior year was my best year at Gables High School. Um, you know, teams with Mike Fiore. We had a really good team, Jim Burton, McFadden, guys that played college baseball. So, you know, my junior year, I decided not to go out for basketball. And so I started getting into baseball and, um, you know, just the competitiveness part of it. You know, I wanted to be the best I could be, obviously. What position did you play? I actually played left field, and I believe I was uh, third team or second team all city or something back then. Uh, my joke was that I had a better rec a better average playing left field and center field my junior year than the guy that won first team all city, but he was a senior, so you know how that goes. They gave it to him. Yeah. You, after high school, did you play college? I played at Florida Southern. You know, I had a lot of chances to go to junior college, which I'm a big proponent of now especially now with what's happening to these kids nowadays. And uh, I, I was, my, my thought has always been, and I lived it. Uh, if you were a very good student above a 3.0, then, you know, then go to a four-year school and, and wait your turn kind of thing. If you're a 2.5 or under a 3.0, I still recommend the kids. And, you know, I'm helping out at St. Brendan's high school. I still recommend junior college, you know, My youngest son, as you know, was an exception. He was a quarterback at Columbus. And because now everybody wants to sign kids early, he didn't sign early, you know, for baseball. And because he was a football player, all the offers had been gone out. So he didn't, you know, he didn't really have any options down here. Most of his offers were up north. And I told him, listen, this is the first time you're only going to play baseball. So you're kind of behind the ball, you know, behind the eight ball, if you will. So go to junior college, and there are some darn good. Let me tell you, the state of Florida junior college baseball is, as you know, really good, very really good. strong. Let's get into the parenting stuff because I have a whole thing on that for you, bro. <laughs> so let, let's. I want to stick with you, and then we're going to go to Andy uh, and Anthony and that whole world. Because and, and Alyssa and Alyssa, she's the best athlete out of all of them. Yeah, all right. I I don't know Alyssa, so I'm I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited oldest. to hear about her. After Florida Southern, did you play pro baseball? I got drafted. Uh, actually, my junior year at Florida Southern was my best year. And I, I am very proud to say that Florida Southern, as you know, was a heck of a good school. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be the only freshman on the 85 national championship team. Wow. And that team beat Oklahoma State. That if you don't know, because you're, you're young, Oklahoma State lost to Miami. Uh, so they were number two in the country. And we actually beat team that, that Oklahoma State team with Pete and Cavilia and Robin Ventura. And they had a lot of good teams. And so we were really, really a strong Division II program. Back when, you know, Michigan, we ended up playing Barry Larkin. When all those schools used to come down, you were probably old enough to remember when we had a regular fall schedule in Division I, Division II baseball. We used to play 30 games in the fall against junior colleges and stuff like that. And that was allowed. Uh, you know, so I played there, Florida Southern, won a national championship in 85. 
Uh, I went to the Valley League in Virginia, which was a heck of a good experience. Mike Fiore from UM, Frank Dominguez, a lot of the guys, we actually played against each other up there. We had a really good team with the Harrisonburg Turks. We had Steve Finley, Freddie Haley, some guys, uh, uh, some other guys that played in the big leagues on that team, which was a heck of a squad. I played right field and I played catcher when Kurt Manwaring, who was a longtime catcher in the big leagues, was the San Francisco Giants. When he wasn't catching, I, I was a catcher. So that was a heck of a summer. My sophomore year, I had a good, good year. Uh, ended up getting hurt. I tore ligaments on my ankle. So I just came home and rehabbed. I had a chance to go to the Cape Cod League that year. And because I got hurt, didn't do that. And then my junior year was my favorite. I had my best year in college and very proud to tell you Florida Southern is the oldest, one of the oldest institutions in the state of Florida. I was the first guy ever to play in the Alaskan League. And, buddy, that was the best experience of my life, even though I will tell you I was 10,000 miles away from home. Right, uh, right. My best friend and my brother growing up, Mike Fiore, had played for the Anchorage Bucks the year before. And, ironically, I played for a guy, and this will be a story you'll love to hear. I played for a guy named Jim Fleming. Well, fast forward, who was Jim Fleming? He just retired about five years ago as the vice president in charge of scouting and player development for the Florida Marlins. And Flem was a heck of a story. And we asked him all the time. He took a bunch of East Coast guys and he took them out there and played in the Alaskan League. And we asked him, he was a junior college coach at Pima Community College in Arizona. And so how the heck did he find me? Well, he was also a bird dog scout for the Yankees. And the Yankees, Rudy Santin, a lot of, I had a lot of interest from the Yankees my junior year in uh in college and so that's how they found me nice i ended up my claim to fame i ended up starting over two guys that were first round picks alan zinner and stan royer and they were behind me they were my backups wow. so that's a he heck of a story i get goosebumps right but we ended up winning the nb the i'm sorry the alaskan league for the matsu miners first time they had ever won and then we went to the i don't know if you remember the uh the NBC World Series in Wichita, Kansas, which University of Miami, the Canes had a team there. Basically, all the summer leagues would send the champions there. We ended up winning that. Uh, oh, so wow. They have a ring from winning the NBC World Series, which I don't even know if it exists anymore. Uh, they had the Kansas Jayhawk League. They had the Valley League. They had champions from a lot of the summer leagues would go there. We spent two weeks there. It was tough because we ended up beating the Wichita Broncos. And I got some great stories. You know, they were a hometown team. There were 3,000 fans at every game. So that was a heck of a, a summer, best summer of my life. I was, imagine, in Matsu, in Palmer, Alaska is the town, about 45 minutes from Anchorage, population about 1,200. Think about that. A Cuban kid from a big inner city in Miami played in the Alaskan League. What's it like to be Cuban? I tell this to people all the time. I love it. What's it like to be Cuban away from Miami? Isn't it the best? Uh, yeah, it's different. They they it's different. They they're surprised with your name, Fernando. You speak English, man. You speak pretty good English. Yeah, my actually my second language, but it's really our number one. I mean, it's our number one, Spanish dude. At home, but you know, Fernie, you are super, super, super known for being the ultimate people person, dude. Well, you, <laughs> everybody loves you, man. You have a way to walk in the room. You command the presence from whether it's a general manager to kids. 
Well, not having a father, yep. not having somebody teach you that. Is that something you instinctually were blessed with? Is it something that you practice on as you got older? Where did that come from? I think it's innate. I think you're born with it. You know, being a people person, my youngest, Anthony, is just like me. Don't tell him that. He'll get upset. Right. (laughs) Uh, Where my middle guy is more of an introvert. He's more into, you know, does his own thing. He beats to his own drummer. Of course, he's left-handed, so we tell him he's wrong-sided all the time. Andy's an in, you know, we'll talk about Andy later, but Andy writes right-handed. He kicks the ball. Uh, I'm sorry. He'll brush his teeth right-handed. That's it. That's it. <laughs> he'll eat with the fork right-handed, but that's it. Everything else he's never, ever since he was two years old, I remember being a scout and all my scout buddies behind the fence at UM would say, what'd you do? Tie his arm. And he was two years old, little toddler. And he was, um, you know, he would walk around the fence while we were scouting and Pepe, the great Pepe Ortega, the White Sox longtime scout, he would say, you tied his arm. I said, Pepe, throw the tennis ball. We would all, all my scout buddies would throw a tennis ball. Andy would go grab it left-handed and go again. And I it. think that's something you're born with. I don't, I don't think you teach that. No, you don't teach it. So the people skills, how did you know you had that gift? Uh, I don't know. Maybe some people say I talk too much, so. When I was a scout, I, I, you know, I was told my, my wife, we've been together for 30 years and we've been married now for 28. She said that I wasn't very politically correct. And I said, listen, sometimes it's better to tell a kid you're better off being a, you know, a musician or a scientist. Maybe this might not be for you. Doesn't mean you can't work at it. But, you know, I really believed in being honest and straight up with people is the best way to go. I, I will tell you my big influence uh, my grandfather, you know, not, not having a father, you know, my grandfather, we all have the Cuban sayings, right? We got all, all my Cuban sayings are from my grandpa. And, you know, I think I, he instilled in me a, a sense for people. I still, to this day, if I meet somebody within five minutes, I know whether I like him or not, or I know he, whether it's all the year scouting, we had a saying with our mentors, he's our kind of people. And, and that's the kind of people you associate with, you know? And I, I just believe that. I think you're born with it. Like I said, my youngest has it. He's there's some teachers would say he wouldn't shut up. And right, to this day, right, right. But I study it, man. I, I, to me, it's it's what separates me. I think from everybody else. I, but I really study it though too. You know, I study people and I study positivity and I have that natural positivity gene. And I'm the reverse. I between me and you, and you know my dad to the whole thing. I. I wish my dad wasn't around, you know, just because <laughs> unfortunately, because I'm, and you're, and you're one of the few guys that could really uh, co-sign this. I say I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball by far. And I'll tell you why, because nobody got the shit beat out of more for baseball and didn't get anywhere compared to the amount of ass whoopings, the amount, and it was, and it's not like a typical eighties Cuban parent thing. It was just like out of control and for some weird reason, Fernando, nobody stepped in. But what it bred inside me is an extreme positivity, work ethic. My dad, that's what I tell people, my dad prepared me for everything in life except to deal with him. <laughs> Think how See, crazy I, I is that, man? Yeah, heck, I, I don't, and again, I know your, your dad, but I, you know, we lived without a father, so we just, you know, we kind of grew up in the streets, really. We Growing up across the street from Kinlock Elementary and across the street from Kinlock Junior, 
you know, back in those days, and it's not whether you had a father or not, but we grew up playing basketball. Yeah. And you played basketball when it was basketball season and you played baseball. We used to play, remember two man ball? Yeah. Remember two man ball, two, two or three guys, one guy hits it, the other, or one guy pitches, the guy hits it. And that's how we grew up. Um, yeah. See, I did the reverse from you. I did the reverse from you. You were able to play and have fun with your friends, whatever. Me, I was Mike because my dad had nothing else to do. I was running professional one-on-one -on -one practices. Me and him at Tamiami yeah, Park. I, I am totally against that, and I and I see it now. And I tell all my friends, and we have a, a dear friend mutually that I tell Coach Frieder all the time: let them play, let them have fun, because you just don't know, you know. Yep. And 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 you don't know. How do you know? Listen, my son Anthony, as you know, was a pretty good quarterback at Columbus. You know, he was uh, second team all county in a eight. He says it in nine A football, big boy football. Not <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I want to get. I want to get to. I want to talk. You as a scout, and then I want to get into you and the boys because that's okay. that to me is is huge, huge, huge. Okay. okay. You end your baseball career. Yep. Fernando, probably, I say eighty five percent of players that end their baseball career end frustrated. They don't know how to come back to society. They don't they have their ego super inflated. Yeah, they don't know how to be 85%, humble. 85%, but yeah, you're close. Like up there, like really up there. How was your mentality? How did you start to think of even scouting? How did that enter your, your mindset? So I, I tell kids, that, and I tell my kids, look, my, my son has pitched in tough situations, and they've been in, as you know, state championships and pressure. You know, my youngest always says pressure is something you put in tires. And I really believe that I used to, you know, I, I played in a couple big league games and, you know, when I was brought up to catch and stuff and it was nerve wracking, but to deal with pressure, like we dealt when I dealt in the, the championship when in 85, when I was the only freshman on that team. And, and I used to say, this is just a game. You know, my mom is safe. My brother is safe. My sister is safe. I'm healthy. You know, in the end, it, it's just a game and that's how you got to treat it. So, Whatever happens to me today, and whether I strike out four times or I hit four home runs, it's not it's not life. It's just you know it, it's just a game, and if yeah. you can leave it at that. Uh, so to to answer your question, you know I was a minor league catcher. I could catch and throw with the best of them. I threw out a lot of guys, but one year with the Pirates, I was drafted and signed by the Pirates. Ray Miller gave me the best advice ever. I went, Mike Dunn was the rookie of the year in 1985. Oh no, I'm sorry, 1987, the year before I signed uh, in, for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And they brought me in just to catch Dunny. And Mike, uh, he didn't have a long career, but he had a, a big knuckle curveball. Anyway, I ended up working with Mike Dunn, and Ray Miller was our pitching coach in the big leagues. He came to Instructional League where I was at, and he told me, listen, son, you can flat out catch. You either got to hit 280 with about five home runs, or you got to hit 300 with 10 home or 250 with 10 home runs. You know, either you hit for, and you're going to be around for a long time. Well, I didn't do either. Uh, now, granted, why I, is that, Fernie? Why do you think you couldn't hit as good? I had a long swing. I mean, if I look at my career as a, you know, as a minor leaguer, I could catch and throw. I had a very long swing. Nobody really shortened it up. I was. In college, I became too much of a power guy, wanted to lift everything, you know, kind of like the launch angle stuff we hear now that it's brutal. Long swings don't cut it when the ball gets 90 plus. So, you know, once I got to double A and, and I had a pretty good A ball, I had 
three years in eight ball, a couple bad ones, really good one in the California League. I knew that, you know, once the ball got above 92, 93, I, I wasn't catching up. So I either had to, I worked hard, you know, and I got opportunities, but being bilingual and being a hard-nosed guy that always played hard, that's the other thing. You know, whatever happens in baseball, as long as you play hard, you're talking about guys that get frustrated. As long as you don't cheat yourself and you worked hard and you gave it all you had, you can live with yourself and say, listen, I gave it all I had and, and I wasn't good enough to, to be there. Then being bilingual, being a hard-nosed guy, being a, you know, a guy that knew, supposedly knew the game, that's how I became, you know, I got offers to coach. And I always thought, you know, you, you always think you can play. If a guy gets hurt, maybe I'm the guy. But I saw the writing on the wall. And then when our the scout that, that brought me to the Mariners, he retired. He was, you know, a guy assigned Nick Isaski, Randy Bush, uh, uh, Lenny Harris, the great Phil Zellman. May he rest in peace. Phil said, Fernie, you got a chance to be a pretty good scout. You're a good baseball guy. Why don't you try it? They brought me into the training program for scouting and, and evaluating players. And I, and I honestly tell my kids and I tell everybody, I was a way better scout and a coach than I ever was a player. And I can live with that. You know, I'm, I'm a knowledge. I mean, I'm a, you know, X is an old guy in football. Well, that's what I was in baseball. I have a knack for, for analyzing guys and I still do. You know, I was working with a bunch of kids in high school yesterday. And they, they don't see what we see. And then, of course, they have technology. I told one of the kids at St. Brendan's, bring, bring the cell phone, video. And when the kid saw what he was doing, he's like, oh, man. I said, hey, I used to do this for a living. I'm not just doing it just to change what you're doing. So that's how I address the question you, you, you said about being frustrated. I've never been frustrated. I wish I would have stayed around the game. But growing up without a dad, I wasn't going to do that to my kids. And my wife is a great wife, was a baseball mom, and, and her dad played in the big leagues a little bit. In 1947, we have a picture of my father-in-law played for the Philadelphia A's, Cuban wow. guy. So my wife understood, well, with two kids, we were good. I was traveling the world as a, as a scout and, an inter and a Latin American supervisor. But, you know, when the third guy came around, then I'm like, you know what? I, I don't want to have them grow up without a dad like I did, so... You switched it up. I decided to go into medicine. So the claim for fame is you're the scout that drafted A-Rod. I am not the scout that drafted. The Mariners drafted A-Rod. But you're the guy that I'm signed. I'm the guy that with Joe Ariel. That's the only thing I'll be take the claim for. And I have some great pictures up here in my office I'll show you later. But, uh, you know, yeah, we, we did that deal. We didn't give up. I didn't think that a kid whose mom single mom that, that worked three jobs could afford putting, you know, turning down 1.5 million or whatever we gave them, you know. In 93, was it 94, 93? 93. 93, man. So. What did you see there, man? How, how did your life change through that experience? Because you're obviously, you're responsible for the greatest all-around player of that era, especially as a high school kid. What did you see in him as a high schooler that, that well, was just different? Well, I will tell you this. I, it's it's pure luck that I started scouting, you know, my second year. I think my first draft was my best year. Let's not talk about those guys. You know, I was lucky that five of the first six guys I ever signed made it to the big leagues. How many guys can say that? Who were they? Who were they? Uh, uh, Raul Ibanez. No way. Look at that. Yeah, that's my guy. Uh, t you got to Google this guy, Tim Hericola. Okay. First guy. 
Have you ever heard of Tim Hericola? No, no, no. Finnish-born kid from Florida Atlantic University, first guy ever. I think he went in the 36th round. Raul went in the 37th round. Both those guys played in the big leagues. Then I signed A-Rod, and uh, who else? There's like my first. I, I should have had all these guys written out because I'm not going to remember all of them. No, nah, no, nah, don't worry about it. So but, let's talk about Alex. What did you see in Alex? He goes, this so, guy's the man. So when I started scouting, right, my first summer off from not playing, they sent me to Monterey, Mexico. And in August, when Hurricane Andrew hit Miami, guess where I was? Along with Patato Pascual, may he rest in peace, the great wow. scout. Camilo Pascual, a lot of Latin guys over there. We went to cover the World Youth Championships in Monterey, Mexico. And so the shortstop for the U.S. team was none other than Alex Rodriguez. So our claim to fame is during Andrew, when everybody was fighting Andrew and get destroyed, we got stuck in Monterey. I actually got stuck in Dallas with a former teammate of mine, uh, Drew Miller, put me up for three days until we could fly back from Dallas to Miami. So wow. I started with the A-Rod thing, knowing that we had a very bad team, knowing that we had a potential to be either number one, number two in the draft, and knowing that this kid was talented and, and was athletic, which, you know, I always said I signed athletes. You can't make chicken salad out of, you know. Right. You know, give me an athlete. And I had the, uh, I had the experience. My first year out with the Pirates, I played with a guy, played against a guy named Kenny Lofton. Remember him? Yes. Kenny Lofton came from a basketball court. Why Why did he play in the big league so long? He was a hell of an athlete. He was an athlete. And I played against Deion Sanders in Instructional League in 1988. Deion was, I believe, with the White Sox then. I can't remember. But you talk about a guy that didn't play much baseball in college and ended up playing a shitload. Wasn't he with the Yankees? Was it with the Yankees? Because uh, uh, I know no. he started the big league career with the Yankees, right? Yeah. Yeah, but he was a, I want to say he was a White Sox. Maybe not. Maybe you're right, the Yankees. I can't remember. But, you know, Dion was another guy like Kenny Lofton, phenomenal athlete. Athletes. Never played a lot of baseball. But so again, let's talk, let, let's talk athlete. You were probably known for the, you were the strongest scout in Miami by far. Were no, you still working out or no? Or you just looked strong? No, no. I, I stayed in good shape. I was pretty, I will tell you my second year with the Mariners, I used to work at it quite a bit, and uh, I believe the Mariners had a great minor league system, you know, when I was playing where our minor league director used to give us, I'll never forget, he used to give us watches for the best guys in shape. And I think I won out of 150 guys, I believe I won, uh, I was like 6% body fat. If you look at my youngest, he looks more like me. He's chiseled, man. No, but you're so way worked, bigger than he is, though. You're yeah, no, way I'm bigger. Big, yeah, yeah, I was bigger, but... I think I went into camp with the Mariners a year. I went to double A, 91 or 90, 91, I think, or 92, where I went into camp 6'1", 6'1", and a half, 205. And, brother, I was in good shape, but I worked at it. But so did my friends. It's nothing. No, but as a scout, you really pop, man. Your claim to fame is you're the first scout to ever wear the straw hat. Is that true? No, listen, there were a lot of guys that didn't like me. As you know, I was the first <laughs> scout to have a cell phone. And it's because my wife had young kids at home. Remember those big block things? Yes, yes. And everybody, you know, I was, a, again, a young scout, 27. I think I was 26 when I started, when I retired. And I uh, started scouting. So all the old guys, you know, who the hell does this guy think it is? I'll tell you, three claims to fame. First guy to have a cell phone. 
first guy used to wear the straw hat, and, you know, wear all the thing. I was afraid of, you know, skin cancer, which by the way, I've had skin cancer. You have? Yeah. I've had uh, my ear cut off a little bit. I was going to be like Spock. No and way. My third thing. The peanut butter jelly was, sandwich is it the peanut yes, butter. Jelly? Yes. You do remember that. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> hey, so the joke is that now a lot of my friends, guess what? They don't eat junk food at the ballpark. They'll take my college roommate, who I love to death. He's like my gringo brother, John Cedarberg, who's been a scout for 20 years for the Colorado Rockies. He's done, he does the North Florida area. As you know, Ralph Reyes Jr. does the South. Right. Ralphie. And so, yeah, John, who used to be very 6'3", about 300, is now in great shape. No way. He, guess what? I gave him a hard time. He was watching my youngest at, at Santa Fe. And guess what? He brought a banana and an apple and a, and a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Because you remember back in those days, scouts, we were at a 3 o'clock game and then we were at a 7 o'clock game. So what did you eat? You didn't have time to eat in between games. Yeah. You know, the meal money was good, but you didn't have time to sit down like a reta and have a full meal. No, no, no. So you didn't have <laughs> You know, if you went to a 3 o'clock high school game when you were playing, then I had to get to Miami or FIU or one of the night games. You had no time. Yeah, no time. You had no time. Uh, yeah, those are three claims of fame. First guy to have a cell phone. Now you can't scout without a cell phone. No, you can't live without a cell phone. Forget scout. You You're not live. living without a cell phone. Yeah. Wait a minute. I remember you. <laughs> 97, okay? I'm, uh, good year. I, I'm here, and you're – we're at the – this is so crazy. We're at the Dade, uh, the North, the Broward, North-South All-Star game, yeah. Ma uh, Miami-Dade. Uh, North. Which, by the way, both my boys played in that, which which is amazing. Yeah. So yeah. North, you're throwing BP, and you're notorious for. If you weren't a known guy, Fernando, tu tiraba five pitches. Hey, get out of here, bro. You were <laughs> flying. But for the prospects, you would take your time. You would throw uh, it in. I go look at this peppy. guy, man. That's Pepe Ortega's crazy. <laughs> nah, you peppy. do. You do. Peppy I used to. Tell me. I would watch. I go look at this guy, man. I wasn't was one of the date, top guys. Was that at Date North? I remember that. That was at Date North, dude. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget going in there. You're just firing five pitches. I, Get out uh, of here, bro. Listen, the only reason my dear friend George Robles hired me, uh, hired me, offered, uh, begged me to help him is because I could still throw BP, brother, all day. Yeah. You were I short. My arm, my arm is still is still in good shape. I try to keep it in good shape. You know, everything else is falling apart, but my arm's still But good. the arm's still good. Oh, Fernando, anything from your... How were you once that happened, man, ego-wise? We're guys, we're Latin guys, we have that testosterone, that machismo that we all, it's hard what to do. What happened, the A-Rod thing? Yeah, no, just you in general, you in general. When you, when you were on that pedestal being so young, a baby, bro, you were not even 30, you know, and you got that yeah. attention. Now looking back at it now as, as a man, as accomplished as you are and as a family man, anything different or any kind of empathy that you feel for that kid? Listen, I, I my claim, I tell people I was the youngest supervisor of Major League Baseball in 96. Uh, I was 30 years old, you know, and I was the youngest. I was, but my problem was my name was never going to change. It was always going to be Fernando Arguez. And I saw the success we had in Latin America. As you know, I had a lot to deal with signing this guy, you know, Ramon de los Santos and I, and that's. David signed that to me, and I'll read it to you later. But uh, is that Big Poppy? Yeah, 
Yeah, we signed Big Poppy, and people That's forget right. that he signed with the Mariners. Yeah, Boda, he worked his way up. I mean, he spent two years in rookie balls, two years for how in Arizona, and then he got into the weight room thanks to, you know, Cirilo Cruz, which is, you know, Cheito Cruz Jr.'s uncle. Right. Cheo Cruz's brother, who was our hitting coach in Arizona. I give him a lot of credit for sticking David in the weight room, and, and then it was all David after that. But, you know... I really thought when I retired that I wanted to help kids not go through what I went through. You know, like there is some biases still. You still, if you're a 32nd round pick or 42nd round pick, you know, like I was, you, you know, you're, it's a battle. That doesn't mean that the Mike Piazzas of the world taken as a favor to Tommy Lasorda in the 57th round won't make it. You know what I mean? But, um, that's just, you know, that, that is, uh, you know, I, that my really claim to fame is that I wanted to help kids find a way to get them an opportunity and help them get in the big leagues. You know, to this day, all the guys that I signed, you know, Joel Pinheiro, Rafi Soriano was one of our guys out of the Dominican, David. And I always used to tell these guys, listen, I'm going to give you an opportunity because that's what it is, an opportunity. I said, you know, one, I, I live and every kid I signed, I told him the same thing. You don't do anything to embarrass yourself. You don't do anything to embarrass your family. And by God, you don't do anything to embarrass me because my name is on your blank. And that's, you know, they always, to this day, I mean, Alex and I are not that close, but, you know. Why is that? Is that because of his personality or just the way he rolls? Yeah, you know, I think he, maybe he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't remember or he doesn't appreciate, uh, you know, I went to listen to him in a Columbus presentation where he gave credit to Chuck Armstrong, the old president, CEO of the Mariners. May he rest in peace. Our scouting director, Roger Youngward, the great Roger had signed Strawberry, Sean Dunstan. He had signed, um, Sean Dunstan, Ken Griffey Jr. Wow. So, and he's the guy that had the guts, not to say the other word, to tell Lou Pinella, who I love Lou to death, and Woody Woodward, who you know is a Gables high school guy, uh, our general manager, that look, don't take Darren Dreifert, you know, who can pitch. You're not going to take a guy in the first round that can you can use once a week. That's a that's for all the guys, all the GMs now. I would take a guy that's going to play every day before a once a week guy like Darren Dryford. It turned out that we were right. You know, so my job now I'm in sales and I tell people, well, how did you get in sales? Listen, my best sales job was my first job ever selling Alex Rodriguez to the Mariners that they would should not and would not, you know, let him go and, and take a guy, a polished college pitcher that, yeah, it could help us right away, but you're going to use them once a week. You're going to give a million and a half dollars or more to a guy. You might as well use a guy that you can use every day. And that's that was my best sales job. So, you know, if Alex doesn't give me credit for that, that's fine. But, you know, gave him a hell of an opportunity. And I tell people when we did the deal, we, ne we never, you know, we never changed the deal. It was always $1 million signing bonus. What we did with Joe Ariola and Benny Looper, who was our assistant scouting director, and obviously Roger, is we gave him a major league deal and we gave him 
salaries. So I think the total package was like 1.7 or something because, you know, you had major league, you had to pay him like a major leaguer. And then there's a rule you can't cut a major leaguer by 20% or more. So when you added up all the, the three years that we controlled him, the deal was worth like 1.7 or so. Freddie, so did you get a bonus for that or no? No, no. Scouts don't get bonuses for signing guys. No. What they do is you get recognition. And then I will tell you when Raul did started doing very well, Raul had to work his butt off. You yeah. know, he's the special assistant to the general manager of the Dodgers now. Yeah. And I got a great quick story. I, I called Raul after they won the World Series. I said, hey, hey Baldy, as I affectionately call him. <laughs> Because, you know, he has your same hairdo. You got the good haircut, buddy. See, you yeah. still got the good hair, dude. Yeah, I still have it. My grandfather gave me this. He, he died at 76, full head set of hair. But, you know, I told Raul, I said, hey, are you going to send a nice case of beer to the analytics department at Tampa Bay? And he just chuckled. And I said, you know, Raul had a chance to be the manager before. It was him or Cash that Tampa Bay was going to hire. Right. And I said, Raul, would you have made that move for Snow? He said, absolutely not. <laughs> You know, right. analytics is one thing, but we still watch the game and you still have to go by your gut feel, you know? Right, 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 right. Okay, let's get to now. This is the most important part. You're a guy that had all this success, okay? What few people know and they're now going to really learn is you gave, you brought to this world the most winningest pitcher in the history of Christopher Columbus baseball, which is crazy, which is yeah. crazy, the amount of talent that has come to that place. And then... Another one that's going to Division One, starting in a couple of days, so the University of Miami. Okay. No, he's been there. Remember, he had to battle in the fall. He had to battle in the fall, so he's been there, but the season there's starts now. There's a really nice article on that. I don't know if you saw it on University of Miami. Hurricane. I did. I, I saw I saw something of that. Okay. So, yeah, he has to – Yeah. so I'll tell you this. Andy, yeah, winning his pitcher is amazing. You pitch but hold on. Before you get out of the room, I don't even want to get into Andy yet. You're a dad. You find out you have a son. Are you telling yourself, this guy's going to be a baseball player? He's going to do multi-sports. Am I going to coach him when he's young? How did you start talking to yourself? I will tell you this. And, it, and again, everything happens for a reason. I believe that, you know, they're born to do something. When I was, uh, I remember when Andy was, Andy was born in 98. My last year in baseball is 2000, 2001 when I worked for Boris. Um, so one time when Andy was two years old, I took him to a, remember the pre-draft workouts? Yes. And I remember him listening to guys hit with wooden bats and his eyes got this big. Now he's got blue eyes. He doesn't look like me. Blonde, blue eyed. Undercover and, Cuban. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my grandma had light eyes and my wife has green eyes. So obviously it has to be on both sides, but Andy's eyes got like this. And ever since then, he could throw. It was amazing. He could throw baseball. He was two years old, left-handed. So, and I got pictures of that I can show you. But I think one of the things I did do is I, I told, there was no way to tell. I always, and I tell all my friends, I tell Frieder, I think the kids are going to be good baseball players if they're good athletes. I really believe that. You know, one of the old scouts that trained me, he always used to tell me, guys that are good athletes can make adjustments if they're not good athletes guess what they better be some strong sobs to atone for their lack of talent or their lack of you know their lack of uh athleticism i'll be honest with you without being negative with this guy behind me 
you know, David was a bat. Well, he had power and he always had power. Wasn't the best fielder, wasn't obviously couldn't run. So it's not like we signed David Ortiz. And by the way, we signed him for, I believe, 13,500 or 13,700. Yeah. And he's just a great kid. But my thought with my kids to answer your question was let them play and let them be athletic. You know, if I thought, and I let me tell you, when Andy was at Columbus, I'll tell you, I could, we could share stories all day, but, you know, he didn't do well one game as a freshman. I think he gave up 10 runs against Palmetto High School. And he came to my car and he was whimpering. And I said, hey, man, it's okay. You know, that's the best thing could happen to you. He said, what? He was surprised I told him that. I said, listen, now when you get to the varsity, when it means something, okay, it's not the end of the world. So you gave up 10 runs. So what? You know, this is, and then I'll fast forward when Andy was a, a sophomore, he was in JV. My guys had to, they were good soldiers at Columbus and waited their turn. You know, he went like, uh, I want to say six and one with a one point. And I'll never forget my worst moment as a dad. I was driving home and I told him, listen, that's not a big deal. And he was like, what do you mean? I was six and one. I said, listen, JV, who, who goes to JV games? Padre, right? The parents. Yeah. This is just to prepare you for what's coming at the next level. You know, fast forward his junior year, they won the state championship. He didn't pitch much. He was in relief. He had a great game against uh, Braddock. I remember a couple recruiters coming to us, and he was still in 83, 81, 84, and telling my wife, we really like your son. And I'm like going, what are they looking at? And they said, we love his poise. Right. Braddock had a really good team. You know, he went in there and he, he relieved for one of the top seniors who ended up, I think, uh, the Coy Pell kid was a pitcher of the year in Dade County. And mm -hmm. He struggled that game. Andy came in relief, pitched four and a third innings against Braddock that had a really, really good team. And one of the recruiters came up to us, you know, FIU, who were the first people to show interest in him, you know, and said, you know what? We love his poise. Well, who recruits just on poise, you know? So that's, that's the story on... You know, being, you know, just let them, letting them do their own thing. Because you didn't teach him poise, did you? No, you don't, you don't teach him. How do you teach poise? Do you drop him off in the middle of the highway and say, hey, go figure it out? <laughs> don't get hit by a car. I think you gain it with experience. That's what we were talking about. That freshman year where you, at Columbus, he had a good year, right? He played center field, played first base and, and pitched. And, uh, you know, he gave up 10 runs. That was for a kid that age at, you know, 14. That's, that's, hard. That's, that's hard. hard. that's hard. That's hard. When you when you don't make it a big deal. Where did they play their little league baseball? Oh, that's a nice one for me. Glades Corey League. Okay, who was were? You, did you manage any of the teams, or were you not available? Always of work? the assistant coach. Ah, see that's now, now. I used to do the teaching, and and I was together with a, a great lawyer, dear friend Jose Baloida was a real estate attorney, very successful real, real estate attorney. His son ended up going, but he also was a Belen guy, and his son went to Belen. Um, and and a dear friend of ours now, Ivan Ivan Perez, who coached the Nationals for a long time. I don't know if you remember him. His son, Tyler, and Andy played together and against each other when they were seven and eight at Glades Corley, and now they play for the University of South Alabama together. Wow. They've wow. been together for five years. When you when you saw them at Glades, Fernando, when you saw Andy at Glades, did you think this guy's going to be a high school player or were you just going step by step? No, I, I thought he was pretty good at his age. 
you know, because he was wrong-sided and his ball tailed and that was tough to hit. Uh, you know, and then after, I'll tell you this, after Glades, they went to, um, we played, tra not travel ball, but we went to a couple tournaments with Ivan and I don't know what they were called back then. I don't remember, but we went to the like tournament in Jacksonville. I forget what it was called, the firecracker or something uh, in Jacksonville. So we did a little bit of summer tournaments, maybe a couple. But then after that, fast forward three years at Glades, then they played at Rec League. <laughs> at, oh, wow. uh, at Andy was the MVP of the Palmer Park. What is that? South Miami. South Park? Miami, Palmer Park, buddy. South Miami Corey League. And that was the first year, I will tell you this story, that Andy and Anthony played together. Andy was 12. He was one of the older guys. He pitched, played center field, and led the whole league in hitting. Amazing. And he was the MVP by far of the league. There were eight teams. There were two teams that were travel teams allowed to play. Omar, I forget Omar's last name, still runs that league. Yeah, so of course. Of course. You know him, Omar. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know his last name either, but I know I don't Omar. I remember his last name. He's a buddy of mine. I have him on. But anyway, so that year was an interesting year because Anthony, being 10 years old, Andy was 12, could hang and he could play little, little guy, could play second base. Well, you know what happened that year? People don't know this. Anthony had medial, medial epicondylitis. You know what that is? No, what is that? Medial epicondylitis. You know, lateral would be tennis elbow. Okay. He had medial, had he been 16 years old, would have been a Tommy John surgery. No way. So Anthony at 10 years old got a, he would, man, he had a gun ever since he was two years old too. He had an unbelievable arm and he grabbed the comebacker and I remember at 10 years old was smart enough with a guy on first to turn around and wing it to second base. I get the lead Heck, guy. When, when he gunned it, he said, oh, my God, he, that my heart dropped. I get goosebumps to this day. He said, Dad, I felt something pop. I'm like, oh, shoot. So, again, to the point on these kids not playing all the time that you know, I know you're going to ask me, and I got to go back to work in about 20 minutes, but – I will tell you that we took them to doctors and they all said, listen, shut them down. Anthony did not throw a baseball or a football. He was a guard at the boys and girls club. When he started playing football, he was a tough guy. I would be coaching Andy's team, the older team, and you would hear a hit like a, a tackle from the other field. From and all the, the field. parents would go, Ooh, and they'd say, Hey, Fern, Anthony just laid some guy out. So, Again, he didn't pitch or use his arms for like a year and a half to two years. Frieder, Coach Frieder knows that from St. Thomas. He, he didn't do anything. Remember, See, Fernie, this is this is what – yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why I think you're so successful, man. See, I, I take it as my experience was completely the opposite. You're the kind of guy – could have been because you did it professionally that you said, listen, this sport is so hard. Yes. Let's just build relationship. Let's have a good time. Let's be involved. Yeah. Oh, that's – My dad switched it. My dad was all ego-driven. My seventh grade year, Fernie, I threw 110 innings. Oh, my God. That's okay? Crazy. Destroyed my arm like you have no idea. Yeah, we won the Juvenile American at Tamiami Park title. Congratulations. What I tell people, and this oh, is yeah. where I think I've been successful. So all I preach is that the sport that we played, baseball, any sport, but let's talk baseball, Let's build relationships. Let's learn how to work with others. 
Let's teach kids to be coachable and let's relax and let's see what happens. You can't predict success because if not, we charge a million dollars. We would charge a million dollars and just have and just say, oh, first rounder, 10th rounder. Listen, had you not played or anything, the and I'd still tell people what it's all about is spending quality time, whether it's fishing. I just so happen my kids like the baseball. But right. I listen, my best friend, one of my dear friends who's a state farm, my state farm agent, Carlos Lewis, we coached them in flag football. We let them play basketball at the new center. They played every sport at St. Thomas. Well, there weren't a lot of boys, but, you know, they got to play everything. He did um, it perfectly. I think you did it perfectly. I listen with Coach Frieder. I tell him all the time, I think he should just retire. Oh, I tell him all the time. Do a side thing because. For some reason, with baseball, people can't control themselves. I get about a thousand DMs. DMs is requests on Instagram. Parents asking me questions mm -hmm. all over the country, Fernando. I know we haven't spoken in a while since I last saw you. I last saw you. Your son was a, well, I was at Columbus, so probably yeah, you went to a game three, I remember. three years ago. No, I was coaching. I was helping Weber three years ago for a little bit till I blew up because of social media, and I started getting a thousand DMs a week only because I started sharing with parents my story. Of listen, the only thing that matters here is the father-son relationship. That's it. Don't let a sport that the chances of your kid making it are ridiculous get ruined because of this sport. And then well, go I, I gotta it. mention to your point, heck. So so when I was a parent at Columbus, okay, and I remember seeing you that day, I told people that once the boys step into high school, and to this day I tell them, all that coaching we did when they were literally that's over. It's over. You know, you can have your opinion as a former baseball guy. And, and I think, again, I remember Andy doing well and everybody would say, and, and I know you're going to get to this, so I'm, I'm preceding myself. Uh, well, why doesn't Andy work with Joe Blow and this guy? And I got gurus. Everybody's got gurus now. There is down, right? Half of the gurus never played. And I am, there's nothing wrong with that. There's some good coaches that never played, but the amount of money that parents spent. So when Andy was a sophomore and Andy was a junior or a, a, a freshman at Columbus, and I remember seeing it, people would say, well, why don't you have him work with this guy? I'm like, why would I do that? Coach Weber is a phenomenal. I played against Weber. Andy's lefty. Weber's lefty. How many guys from Miami go to Auburn University in the SEC, which Weber did and did yep. for four years? Of course, of course. Why would I go take my son and spend my money when I know I have a coach and then the guy, the guru is going to tell you one thing. And then the pitching coach, the coach Weber is going to tell you something else. It's ludicrous what people do here. Wait, I have parents, heck, that I know for a fact now at St. Brendan's, they have a recruiting coach. Oh, don't get me going on that one. I said, you want to recruit? You want to get recruited? Figure out what to do between the lines. They have a strength coach. They have a pitching coach. They have a hitting coach. They have an infield coach. Have everything. So my thing is, as as I did a little bit of coaching, my thing I always view coaching. I started off coaching, and then when I signed my deal with Rawlings, I became the inf first influencer to sign with Rawlings. Okay. So that with the New Balance and everything else, and then my speaking career took off, and then now I only do it to certain people's kids. But I always felt that my job, let's say you're the guy at Tim Brendan, is to prepare the kids adversity wise for you. So that yeah. when when they get to you, they're gonna run in and out of the dugout. 
They're not going to throw the helmet when they strike out. They're not going to blame somebody else. They're going to get there on time. They're not going to be showing up to practice, jamming the radio with their shirt off like they're Mr. Cool Guy. That's what I cared about. I wouldn't care about if the kid now. I would hit baseball, be hitting and stuff, but that was my biggest thing is the stuff up here in the brain. Yeah, so I'll give you one. I'll give you one. One of the things everybody says, what have you taught your boys? You know, I tell them that they are the excuse generation. It's never the coach or the teacher's fault, or it's never your fault. It's always the coach, the teacher, the umpire. And I've taught my kids, you can control, include, you know, control. The only thing you can control is what you do. You know what I'm saying? Fernando, look at my saying right here, Mira. Yeah. The two things you can control in life. Yeah. Your effort and your attitude. Well, I'll give you another one. As a coach, you know, I tell these hitters, what are the only two things you can control hitting? You can, uh, or, or you, oh, pardon, let me, let me rephrase that. I tell kids, what are you trying to do when you're up to the plate? Oh, coach, I'm trying to get a hit. I'll say, well, if you hit one off your knuckles over the first baseman, a little duck fart, is that the kind of hit? Oh, no, coach, I don't want that. Oh, so you're not trying to get a hit. So the only two things you can control as a hitter is what? Pitch selection? Yes. Which one you swing at? Yep. And the second thing is how hard you hit it. You can hit it hard and hit it at somebody. You can't control hits. Can't control that. Can't control that. So, can't control and then the other thing is these kids are so pull happy. Everything, you know, with the, what they see on TV. My other, I said, I said to one kid yesterday, I said, let me guess. The double to right field cost, it, it it's valued the same as a double to left field, right? Because all you want to do is pull the ball to left. Yeah. The last I checked, and when I throw batting practice now, heck, you'll love it. I don't say anything. But if I do this to a kid, I'm sorry. If I do that, you know what that means? Gap to gap. Gap to gap. Yeah, yeah, keep it fair. And they know. Yeah. Because all they want to do is roll over. My other thing is, as a former scout, I tell them, listen, bro, you know why we put the best athletes in short? Because natural tendency is to do what? Yeah. Roll over. Yeah. And you get where tricked the by the off speed. Yeah. That's where the best athlete is. So, so the, to, the thing that I've taught my kids is to be accountable because this is the excuse generation. Well, you, know, you now as a where coach. Everybody gets a trophy. You remember? No, 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 no. And then you now as. I'm lucky, dude. I'm still, I'm 41. How old are you? Because you look super young. Thank you, bro. Love you. 54, <laughs> going to be 55 in a couple months. Okay, so I got... going to be able to get coffee at McDonald's for half price. There you go. So I'm lucky, I'm lucky still that I feel young enough and I know how to talk to the young kids where I don't put them down because I feel so sorry for them. Relate to them. Then. I relate. You know, I'm, I'm like in the middle still. I'm like a hybrid where I notice a lot of older people are like, they clash with them, especially at certain levels. How do you now having, because listen, these, these kids have no idea at St. Brendan, who you are, your history, how legit you are at what you do. It's like literally crazy. I'm just George Robles, friend. That's exactly. That's they, they have no idea. You're not on Instagram. They don't see your, they, they have no idea. They have I, no idea. I do follow my kids on Instagram. I yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. And How Facebook, do you let, I'd love to do more on Facebook, but you know, my, dude, I, I got to help you. I got to help you. I got to help you. I married a Cuban redneck from Homestead as I lovingly call her. And she is superstitious as hell, man. That article, Anthony came out at UM. I should have shared that. You know, there's people right. have seen it on Facebook, but, she feels that, you know. Lambidia. No, Lambidia, niño. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's going to get plenty of, uh, of, of eyes there. Press and, and, you know, if he does what he's supposed to do, what she does, he works hard and he'll wait his turn. You know, he doesn't throw yeah. 95, 97, like supposedly some guys, but you know what? Like I tell him, those guys. But he are battles. Players. Yeah, he's, he's a, a batter. He's a pitcher. He's a pitcher. 
He's a pitcher. He's a four-pitch guy, and and I think he'll help UM somewhere. Yeah, he's the best. Best. How much time do you have left? Uh, about ten minutes. <sighs> Favorite type of music? Yours? <laughs> Believe it or not, now, now or before country Whichever. music. Which country music? Huh? Who do you like? I love. Listen, I love going to the ball games to watch my son at the University of South Alabama. You remember what do they put? Country music, yeah. Oh my God. Country music. I, and and I love uh that's that's another guys. thing. Who's your favorite country music person? Give me one. Well, McGraw, because his father was my you remember his father? Of course, McGraw, the pitcher left the lefty. Pitcher. Yeah, yeah. I, I like him, but I, I like other guys too, you know. Let's let's Maybe talk about the, the little the little fat guy, and I always forget his name. Um like, I don't want to name anybody. Roscoe, Roscoe Flats. I love Roscoe that Flats. Yeah, he's real popular. That guy's real popular. Yeah, you brought some something guys. up there, Fernie. When I met Andy for the first time, he was verbally, I think, or committed to FIU. That's correct. They, they had a coaching change. You yeah. did something, and I was talking to Coach Frieder today about this, that 90% of parents wouldn't do. You stepped in. And you guided him very well. And you I guided did. him with FIU and then Calvi, right? Was that no, did you do that no. or no? No, not at all. How did that happen not then? So what happened was, you know, when you sign a national letter of intent, you're stuck. When there's a coaching change, it's up to the coach. Now, obviously, we I mean, I told you FIU was the first one to come to Andy. Andy had an opportunity to go to Dartmouth, but the grades and you know they don't really give scholarships and they saw him at perfect game up in atlanta so quick story the quick way it happened is when merville came in and i know merville i scouted him when he was at bc and you know they had too many scholarships turtle had too many guys okay apparently they had given out more scholarship money than they than they had obviously because they thought they were going to lose a bunch of guys in the draft is the story i and so we had a window where he had a chance to move on because of the coaching change. I will tell you that Andy was loyal because, you know, Coach Mark Curtanian was a recruiter. Remember the bearded guy? He was the guy that I told you about at Braddock that had said, this kid had got great poise. Turtle saw Andy, and you were probably there, against Southwest in the regional championship. Remember that? Where yes. he threw a no-hitter. Yep. Remember that? Yep. And so they had promised him more money than they had given to him at the beginning. He was, remember, he was going to live on campus because he was a very good student. So once there was no money there, we had a window of two weeks where they said, okay, if you don't want to be here, then, you know, move on. And ironically, Merville was, was coaching the U.S. junior team in Panama. So timing-wise, and Andy, you know, I knew Calvi. I, I mean, I played with Calvi. And I knew him when I was scouting. Remember, he was a pitching coach at FIU. I played for and, him. I love that dude. Yeah, I, there's a lot of guys. I, my son, all the kids at South Alabama love Calvi. I mean, there's something to be said for that. They'll they'll die for that guy. They work hard for him. He's a player's coach, but he's tough with them. I can't say enough good things about Coach Calvi, and you know him well, so I don't need to do that. But I will tell you that Andy went up to Auburn. And uh, they had a lefty, a junior college lefty, and I think Coach Weber helped them with this. They had a junior college lefty that they didn't know if they could get him in because of academics, you know. 
And so we went to visit. We, my wife is the one that took him everywhere. Auburn, he went to visit some other schools. And, and I do remember Auburn and South Alabama. And the pitching coach gave him a tour, and it's just so laid back. And they got a great baseball background. I know you know that. Yeah. They had just recently David Freeze. They had Juan Pierre, Marlon Anderson. They've had like 20 big leaguers coming out of University of South Alabama. People don't know that. It's a heck of a good baseball school. So, and just the location of it for us as parents, Ivan Perez and I and our wives, it's tough to get to, brother. <laughs> no, we either fly to Pensacola and drive an hour to, to Mobile, but what a great town Mobile is. Oh, fun to be. So it just, I think, again, the Cuban saying, lo que está para ti, you know, it was meant to be. You know, Andy, you know, signed with FIU out of loyalty. He was, you know, he wanted to sign. He, those guys were the first ones to say he could pitch in Division One. All he wanted to do was pitch in Division One baseball. He had a lot of offers from small schools, but that was, and again, it's, it's, it was timing thing, you know, to this day, I'm very indebted to turtle and, you know, and, and turtle and I used to recruit against each other. So, right. you know, we had a social relation, but now we're good friends and, you know, we, we stay in touch and all that stuff. So, you know, um, it just, it was meant to be. And then Andy had a heck of a good freshman year. I know, you know, that he, he beat LSU, coached by a Columbus guy, you know, Palmineri. Yep. Coached against me at St. Thomas University when they were Division II. Remember that? Yep, yep, of course, of course. So, so that was nice. He actually beat Auburn. And to finish the story on Auburn, it was either Andy or the lefty from Juco. And I guess they just got him in and Weber was pushing. They were going to take him. And he just felt like he would do better at a small, um, what do you call it, mid-major than a big one and, and you know my youngest anthony had a lot of mid-majors in jacksonville i loved uh, university of north florida their pitching coach tommy i watched play uh, i watched him play at the university of florida he was a heck of a pitcher and would, did a great job recruiting him and he would have been probably their number one number two nice uh, he had some other schools uh, georgia southern is originally and i'm very indebted to those coaches the ones that were loved loved the trip and Coach Herndon and, and the other guys that recruit f- phenomenal staff. Their pitching coaches, a guy that was an All-American at University of Alabama. Uh, and so they were so nice. They recruited I did go on that recruiting visit with Anthony, my youngest. And they gave him, they said, Anthony, we want you to commit. And I've never seen this. Heck, they didn't put any pressure on him. When are you going to commit? And he said, Coach, as soon as my fall's over, I'll give you a commitment by November 9th. University of Miami made an offer November 8th. And I think, or maybe ninth in the morning. Wow. And he, it broke his heart to call the guys at Georgia Southern, which I loved. So the irony is, had Miami not come around, he would have signed with Georgia Southern. Now both boys would be playing against each other. Look at that. And the dude. Sun Belt would have been kind of neat. Man, your life. I, I remember when I spoke to you at Columbus, you don't remember this. You were in Weber's office, and I go, I go, I go, Fernie, are you going to get back into baseball? And I you tried. said you said when your kids graduate high school, high school, yeah, you you want to get back in, man. I wanted to. I had a couple interviews, but you know, I've studied heart failure. I've been a heart failure guy now for sixteen years. And it's hard to leave that, huh? Yeah, man, you're crushing that. Twenty? No, I would have left it in a heartbeat. Yeah. The problem is the schedules of scouts now. It's crazy, and, and to you know what they make and what they go through. Uh, it would be tough for me, 
with my experience, you know, I think I got 10 or 11 guys that I signed that, that played in the big leagues. They don't pay you on commission. They pay you for experience and for your name. And what's going on now in baseball is sad with, you know, the cutting of the minor leagues. And yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. sorry for the kids now, both my kids, you know, the draft is going to be different than when, when I was and you were around. Yep. You yep. know, yep. Well, you know, there, there's not going to be, I believe in a rookie ball and a short season, a ball for the guys that come out of college. There's not going to supposedly that I hear that they're only going to have an a ball, a double a, a triple a, and, and a, you know, a double a, triple a in the big leagues. And that's tough. Well, no, Fernie, I think you should, man. Cause I think you're one of the special guys, dude. And I appreciate the, that. Hike. I think uh, I've been lucky. I've been very lucky. I mean, what are the odds you have two kids? Crazy. That is and, crazy, and man. Two boys, and I have three kids, by the way. My daughter was the best athlete by far. She was a soccer player at Lords. Nice. Mention Alyssa for the for that, and and uh, the soccer coach. You talk about specializing. The soccer coach at Lords, and I always said she was a phenomenal athlete. wasn't the best soccer player, but the coach at Lords never let her run track. And her best tool was her speed. Well, guess what? Her senior year was the last time that Lords won a. Uh, four by 400 relay in regional. And she was one of the legs on the 400. On the so 400. She had the gift of speed. And oh, the speed, Frieder huh? Could, hey, Coach Frieder could tell you a story. When she was in eighth grade, she beat all the boys in the 60. Look that at that, crazy. dude. Frieder, Look at Frieder that. Frieder called me. I remember Frieder called me. He says, funny, this is unreal. So what happened? <laughs> so she had the gift of speed. I wish she'd have just run track all four years, but... She liked soccer, and that was her thing, and she tried out in college and, you know, hurt her knee. She had an ACL tear her junior year at Lourdes, and uh, now she's studying to be a nurse, and there's nothing oh. wrong with that. Look at that. Fernie, before I let you go, man, any question for me? Anything I can help you with? How do I help you guys? Uh, you know, I've, I've done the speaking circuit, but I, the, my, ba my main thing is people think, heck, that I am anti-travel ball. I am not. But I, if you look at all the travel ball, and I've told Frieder this, it's a business for 90% of guys, number one. 100%. Number, you know, number two, if, if you're in travel ball, like Frieder is a little bit, just because to keep the kids together because they're friends, I'm okay with it. But I've been very adamant in telling Frieder, and, and I'll, you know, Andy's, man, Andy was a set shooter, had tremendous three-point shot, and some of the parents at the boys club used to get upset because he shot a lot. But that was a heck of an experience playing basketball. It teaches you different skills. Flag football. Flag football. Listen, different skills. I, I in, a, in the Rolling Gold Glove Awards. So last year at the Rolling Gold Glove Awards, I got to interview everybody, all the winners. Mm -hmm. Arenado. I'm actually oh. going to. I'm, I'm actually going to go speak at his father's thing, two weeks. I'm going to go to California to go so speak. You know. So then you know his father's first name, right? I don't know. I don't know his father's. So I just know him as Arenado. Father's Fernando. Yeah. Yeah. So his uncle, Luis Arenado and Santino, remember Santino played at Columbus. With so him. I didn't know Santino. Here's a funny story. Santino reaches out to me through Instagram that he's trying out at FIU. Right. How, what would I do? And look at what I told him. Tell me if you like this or not. I didn't know who the kid was. I go, cause my thing is Fernando, nobody helped me when I was young because everybody was scared of my dad and they didn't want to deal with him. So everybody just kind of me tiró me para lado. Everybody just threw me to the side. So my thing now is I didn't go to Columbus. I went to a horrible school like Braddock, 5,000 kids. <laughs> I have no connections. 
So how do you build? How do I compete with the Anthony's of the world? How do I compete? You just got to give. If you give without expectations, you're going to win in life. So I started to do that. This is a story. You're going to like this. Hold on a second. I started to do that. I just started to give for free. Just give, give, give. I was the only coach that showed up there and I went to Weber. Weber coached me one year in 96. That one year before he he took when he was the pitching coach. coach. I go, coach, give me the game that nobody wants. So I started, I would coach the Saturday. That's how I knew Anthony. The Saturday freshman JV game in fall ball. At two o'clock in the afternoon, that's when I was there. The one that nobody wanted to do. Because <laughs> everybody wants to be the nine guys at varsity, right? right. Everybody wants to varsity. I go, give me that because I'm going to give to the program and I'm going to do it for free. Okay. I this kid, that. this kid reaches out to me. I tell him, when you're walking onto a Division One program, this is what you do. You don't wear headphones. Don't ever see. Let the coach see you with your phone. Stay away from any ping pong table, video game. Don't ever ever do that. Mm-hmm. The training room. I don't ever want to see you with ice. Don't let anybody see you with ice. You put your ice at your house. You're the healthiest guy in the world. You give zero, zero. Don't form a clip. Clean shaven. I don't want to see any pinta, any swag, nothing. I want you like a nerd. You wouldn't be able to coach now, hey? No, I'm telling you. No, they love me. They love me. They love this. You want to know why? No, this is to make the team. Not have to make the team. Oye, man. I'm going to... My... I spoke at Oregon State. Two years ago. That's my claim to fame. Oregon State reaches out to me, the oh. coach, out of the blue. I don't know who anybody yeah, is. I'm just like a social media guy. Wait, the pitching coach is – is. oh, no, he went to pro ball. He went to pro ball. They had yeah. a coach – You know that, who he was a pitching coach at FIU, and then he went to Oregon. Then he went to Oregon. Well, no, this is Oregon Styles. State. This is Oregon State. Oregon State. Okay, so he the went – The Beavers. Dean Styles. Remember Dean? I don't remember Dean. Dean Styles Dean. was one of the pitching coaches that, that uh, would have had Andy, but he went to pro ball after that. Uh, that turtle brought in. That turtle brought in. So Oregon State had just won the national championship in 2019. Wow. Their coach reaches out to me. Sorry, 2018. Their coach reaches out to me. Coach, I want you to come talk to the team. I went and spoke to the team. I don't know who anybody is. Okay, I'm speaking to a bunch of white boys. So they're called, they're all Americans. I'm sitting there. I fly. I get in my. I take a flight from Miami, San Francisco. One hour layover. San Francisco, Alaska, Portland, Alaska no, Alaska, Alaska Air, Air from, from San Francisco to Portland, drive two hours to Corvallis, okay? Yep. I have a film guy there waiting for me because I, everything I do socially, I record. I sit there and I start talking to the team. I tell them why I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball. I tell them that if you win a national championship at Oregon State at the age of 20, and that's the biggest highlight of your life, you're going to be a loser and not happy. Because this is just temporary. And I start getting into this thing, into my whole life. And a kid, when I'm done, any questions, a kid raises his hand. Coach, your mindset. How do you deal with failure? How do you deal with adversity? How do you stick with that? And he asked me a second question. Fernando, we're done. I don't know who the kid is. We take a team picture. The kid's right next to me. We're done. He sends me a DM on Instagram. Coach, you being here is the most special thing in the world. This whole, like really meaningful thing. I still have no idea who he was. The manager calls me after. He's like, dude, you crushed it, man. You were born for You're amazing. By the way, you know how that kid was? They kept asking all the questions. I, I, I go, I have I'm no idea. To know. He goes, that's Adley Rushman, the projected wow. number one overall pick of wow, the 2019 the draft. The Adley signed for $8.1 million by the Orioles. Six foot four now switch hitting catcher. he's not your advertiser. <laughs> no, he's my boy. He's my boy. Now, what does that go to show you? What was this guy worried about? Mindset failure 
He's six foot four. He's played different sports. His grand people don't know this. Switch hitter, captain of Team USA. He played. He was the punter for the football team. His grandfather, people don't know this. His grandfather is one of the few guys that's won two national championships in football as a coach and in baseball. So what that goes to show you, Fernando, is the more you grab the guys today at St. Brendan, little St. Brendan, and you get everybody together, and you say, listen, guys, this is about relationships. This is about effort and attitude. It's about team. Don't worry about what school you're going to go to. Don't worry about showcases. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Trust me. I have two kids. If you know anything about me, yes, I signed A-Rod. Yes, I got two kids. Not one of them went to any of these stuff. So they at least what? So yeah. please do that. Wait, I'm going to let you go here. Don't do leave that. yet. Do Don't leave. Hey, listen. You got to see this. My financial guy just texted me. He saw this on, uh, I don't know what, one of your social media, Anthony. I guess. Oh, is that Columbus's website? Columbus on Columbus Post. Instagram. Yeah, Columbus posted that. But anyway, I, I just, look, we try to help kids. Unfortunately, um, nowadays the parents are too involved, and, and it's sad. I got a dear friend of mine whose son plays for us at St. Brendan's. Was probably I was talking about him yesterday. Yeah, the guy's probably spent $10,000, you know, in the last four or five years doing lessons with his son. Oh. And I, I got to a point where I told him, listen, bro, just stop doing lessons. Let the kid play. Let the kid play. Fernando, I became I became the first guy in Miami by charging the most because I knew uh, my, everything of mine was mindset. And I started getting a lot of wealthy parents, wealthy kids. I would tell the parents, do me a favor. Don't bring them anymore. Don't bring them anymore. This kid's not yeah. into it. You know what I'm saying? Wait, hold on. Don't go. I'm, I'm going to end the recording, but I want to say bye to you the right way. No, that way. Hold on. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.